The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 23rd College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Banditos' fresh May daily kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. And now back by popular demand, the Fighting Irish Preview poet laureate, Sir Philip Houck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I call this one Mid-Season Memories. Mid-Season and 5-1, and one, the Irish stand at. Back in week one, the Louisville Cardinal went splat. Tony Jones over 100 yards, he ran long. Good news with the injury to Jafar Armstrong. Game two, the Lobos came to South Bend. But not Bob Davey, he was on the mend. Hamilton picks six, book five passing TD. Top 10 ranking is a fine place to be. Next, number three, Georgia, a battle night long. Komet had nine catches, the defense played strong. Game plan and grit were the Irish resort, but a last minute drive fell just short. Undefeated Virginia came in for game four. Confidence and defense for the Irish in store. But Okwara, Jones, Ogundei, and Kareem. A third-quarter jailbreak ended the visitor dream. Next up, the Falcons, a Mac school in woe. A team on the rebuild with a long way to go. Five TD passes by Ian. Claypool got two. 52 points were piled on the Bowling Green flu. Game six, SoCal, proud and full of dash. Came into South Bend for a party to crash. But the O-line took charge and Tony Jones ran wild. A rivalry win. And Irish eyes, they smiled. Six games down and the Irish are number eight. Michigan now in sight, the big house in wait. And winning out is a necessity for a shot at the prize. But make no mistake, the Irish now a team on the rise. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Oh, you're so kind. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Banditos with three Fort Wayne locations, Waynedale, Georgetown, and Glenbrook Commons. Banditos is fresh made daily. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight from America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of irishillustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and ability provides peace of mind. Combining local expertise with access to national and international experts through their affiliation with BDO, the fifth largest accounting firm in the world. 
tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning. The full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! This is Art Salzberg. I don't endorse everybody, but I've found a company that I think provides a great service. The company is Shearer McCulloch, and what they do is targeted specifically for seniors, people who may be thinking about downsizing and are overwhelmed by the thought of what it's going to take. Shearer McCulloch will pack you up, move you, and then sell your house and everything that's left. Now that's the most comprehensive relocation service anywhere and what I call in sports terms covering all the bases. Sharon McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They're looking to get top dollar from people who have an interest in the special treasures you've collected over the years. Sharon McCulloch is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms. If Sharon and I decide to make a change in lifestyle, we'll be calling Sharon McCulloch at 441 441- 8636. That's 441-8636. We trust them, and we know they'll make things easy and profitable. Coors Light presents A Word from Kirk Herbstreet. It's Saturday morning, and that means it's time for college football. It means your fridge is filled with Coors Light. It means last night's pizza is this morning's breakfast. And washing it down with your first Coors Light of the day is worthy of an ah. It's Saturday morning, and it means showers are optional. Make Saturday mornings even more chill with a fridge full of Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. 2019 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Houck. Well, Tim Priester, it is why we love college football. Important game, spectacle, and a big rivalry. Notre Dame, Michigan. Tim I want to talk about a favorite Notre Dame, Michigan memory or two, and and you and I have lots of them. But first, earlier this week, I heard you talk about a game that you and I, it's not true. We were not around for this game. And I'm talking about the Notre Dame, Michigan game in 1909. Why did you talk about that game as having been significant? Well, it is true that Michigan taught Notre Dame how to play football. So the first eight times that they played, Michigan outscored them 121 to 16, uh, and needless to say, Notre Dame was 0 and 8 against them. So in in uh, 1909, Notre Dame finally broke through and won 11 to 3. And after that, I mean, it's pretty much been it, it's pretty much been uh, split down the middle of wins and losses. In fact, I think one game separates them since those first eight losses. So. Um, that probably was as significant a win of by Notre Dame over Michigan as as any of them in the series. Yeah, and that eleven to three victory in nineteen oh nine, and then in nineteen ten, Fielding Yost canceled the game. Now it's disputed as to why he canceled it. He said Notre Dame was trying to use an illegal or ineligible player. Notre Dame says, "Well, we think you were afraid you're, we were going to beat you, but they didn't play again until the War Years, and then only twice, and then not until 1978." So, since '78, the, the series has been uh, mostly on, but off a few times, and really, it's off in the future after this year. But talk about a memory of one of those great games that you and I have been around to uh, to watch. 
Yeah, man, there's been so many great ones, and it's always it's always uh, fun going to Michigan Stadium. And the the one that stands out to me is is 1989 when Notre Dame was number one and Michigan was number two, and Bo Schembechler was stubborn enough to to kick off to uh, give Rocket Ismail, and he returned it for a touchdown. And he was stubborn enough to do it again. And fortunately, um, he was that stubborn because Rocket did it again, and Notre Dame won 24. To 19, two of the three touchdowns were scored on kick returns. But that one, that one was just so memorable. And of course, Notre Dame was in the midst of a 23 game winning streak. And that was the pinnacle of, uh, that time was the pinnacle of the Lou Holtz era. Yeah. Any Notre Dame fan around at that time certainly remembers, uh, Rockets two kick returns on Bo Schembechler's, uh, coaching decision. Now, uh, the game I want to talk about is 1988, just the year before. And of course, that ended up being a national championship season for the Irish. Uh, Ricky Waters, this is in Notre Dame Stadium, Ricky Waters with an 81-yard punt return for a touchdown. Uh, and, and really, Notre Dame didn't know what they had at that point. This is the opening game of the season. Nobody knew they were going to win the national title, of course. Lou Holtz's third year. But then the other thing, Notre Dame didn't score another touchdown in the game, but Reggie Ho, a little diminutive one, about what five six five seven kicker that nobody knew nothing about, didn't know anything about. And Reggie Ho kicks four field goals for the Irish. Mike Gillette, the kicker from uh, Michigan, had three field goals and then missed one right at the end. The Irish win that game 19-17. to Reggie Ho with four field goals. And the headline in the South Bend Tribune the next day was Ho, 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 Ho. And I'll never forget that. Uh, a great memory and lots of them in this series. Okay, Tim. Of course, we want to get into the Michigan game in detail soon. But first of all, during a bye week, the staff gets out and recruits a lot. And and if you could, a couple of comments on Notre Dame's recruiting right now. It certainly seems to be trending up. Where do they stand for 2020 in the class overall? And where do they stand in 2021? Yeah, I mean, 2020, the way the recruiting game works now, it, it, it's pretty much finished. And I, and I like what they have along the defensive line, which you, I mean, you always love to hear about. You know, if you're getting defensive line, offensive line, you know that you're going to be solid in the trenches. And so they've done really well there. Most of the talk now is about 2021. And they definitely have the quarterback that they that they really, really want in the quarterback of the future. And that's uh, Tyler Buckner from, from California. Now, he's only a junior and won't be at Notre Dame until 2021. But they really have, I mean, in that class as well, they really have, and there's some receivers in the, the 2020 class, Jordan Johnson, Xavier Watts, I think are going to be difference makers quickly once they get to Notre Dame. Notre Dame has Brian Kelly. He's got it going on, man. I mean, they're 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 in the midst of of uh, you know four ten win seasons out of five, and that that four and eight uh, a couple years back is is really in the rearview mirror. So he's really he has really set the the, the stage for for uh, Notre Dame continuing to be very good on a yearly basis. No question about it. That 2020 class currently ranked eighth uh, overall, 17th commits, two five stars. That's good news. Uh, with with maybe some more talent to come, no doubt about that, and we'll find out about that by December. And then the 2021 class, it's it's still early, but seven commits, all are four stars in that class, is currently ranked third. And I think the addition, and I think you would agree with me, Tim, that the addition of running back coach Lance Taylor to the recruiting effort uh, has has maybe pushed it over the top. He's done an excellent job. 
No, no doubt. Chris Tyree is is a, a very highly rated uh, kind of all purpose back that that will be coming in twenty twenty. They have their eyes on Will Shipley for the twenty twenty one class, a, a really really explosive running back, uh, strong at a very early age, not not real large, but but very strong and fast. And uh, Lance Taylor, uh, that's an area where Nordane, the running backs have. Uh, you know, they've had to rely on a lot of three stars recently. Uh, now, if they can up the handy at cornerback, they'll pretty much have everything covered. Absolutely. Now the future looks bright. Tim, another story you did this past week on Irish Illustrated had to do with current Irish players' NFL prospects, something that, that you do a, a couple of times a year, and I always enjoy those articles. So summarize for us, who are the best Irish prospects, and what did your experts say about Ian Book? Well, the, the the top guys right now, we didn't. We're, we're not talking about rounds yet. It's a, you know the draft is literally six months away, so we're not talking about rounds yet. But uh, certainly, Julian O'Quara and Khalid Kareem, the two def- defensive ends, are, are are going to be in the mix there uh, in the early rounds. Chase Claypool, I, I think, is a guy that that definitely can can be an upper round pick. If Cole Komet, a junior, uh, decides to come out, I think he'll be one of the best uh, tight end prospects in the country. The guy that's on the rise the most is Asmar Bilal, and I, it would shock most of us in the industry had we been had we said that six, seven weeks ago. But he's come on strong. He's really a very good. There was never any doubt about his athletic ability, but uh, there, you know, there was concerns about just being able to make plays and understand what they were trying to do defensively. He's made. Huge stride. So he's probably the guy on the rise the most. As far as Ian Book, uh, Dan Shanka from Our Labs, uh, a longtime publication recruiting service, suggests that he comes back, um, which I think you know everybody understands at this point that he probably needs to do to improve his, his draft status. And he made the comment that he should stay in school because he'll probably get better quarterback coaching from Tom Reese than he will in the NFL, where a lot of uh, – uh, a lot of quarterbacks backslide just in terms of just productiveness and accuracy, which I found to be a very interesting comment. Well, a real stamp of approval, I think, for uh, Tommy Reese's as coaching, and and I, you know, I watch enough NFL football that I think uh, Ian Book, you know, he's not a slam dunk by any means, but I think he can play in the NFL. I think he's got the right skill set. Well, one of the things that uh, Brian Kelly talked about uh, using the bye week for was preparing for the noise in the big house. Uh, something the Irish did not do very well in Georgia with four critical false starts. So what did Brian Kelly do different this time? He started preparing earlier. He started preparing during the bye week. I'm not really sure why in his 10th year as head coach that he would not address that enough for Georgia. But in, he, he has said on a couple of occasions that he blames himself for that. So they started early. They started during the bye week. And I don't think Michigan Stadium is going to be like Sanford Stadium in Athens, Georgia. Um, and we talked about this on our podcast this week. They're going to be they're going to be riled up if Notre Dame gets off to another fast start. That could be a crowd that turns on the home team just because of of where they are. But they're much better prepared for that. Um, not saying that there won't be any false starts because it's still a difficult situation. You're still reacting to movement and motion by the the quarterback, but. They should be much better prepared this time. Yeah, hopefully that practice, that additional practice with the silent count makes perfect. Now, Tim, 
Uh, key this week for the Irish might be the return of two players to at least return to relevancy, and that would be cornerback Sean Crawford and running back Jafar Armstrong. First of all, what would a healthy Sean Crawford mean to the Irish? Well, that's huge. They're facing one of the best receiving cores that they will face this year, probably right behind um, USC. It's just very, it's important. Now, he's not very big, and, and Michigan's receivers do have size. Um so it's still a tough matchup for him, but he's he's so he's so naturally gifted as a cover guy that he would be really significant. I'm not sure how much he's going going to play. Really, they went into the week. Brian Kelly went into the week talking about you know getting him in the mix and seven on seven. So during the bye week, they didn't they didn't want to test the the elbow. He's got the elbow injury. Um, but if you could if you could get if you get get Sean Crawford at 80 or 90 percent that'd be a huge help this weekend against Michigan's receiving core yeah and even if it's only for 10 snaps or so in in passing situations that would be a big bonus uh and how about a healthy Jafar Armstrong what would that mean to the Irish well he's further along and I you know I expect him to be fully integrated into the offense you know we've talked we joked about it on our podcast we've we've talked about the two back uh formation that they want to run and they've never really been able to get it get to it with any kind of consistency um, both Tony Jones and Jafar Armstrong injured last year at times and then of course Jafar Armstrong in the first series of the season against Louisville so uh, I think it's huge I think there are some avenues for Notre Dame outside the hash against Michigan kind of like there was against USC last year when Tony Jones sealed the win with the short little swing pass for the touchdown uh, I think it's very important I think it gives them much more versatility and opens up the playbook for Chip Long. Yeah, well, especially with rain in the forecast uh, for Saturday, having a quality Jafar Armstrong on the field could be uh, a luxury for the Irish. I think, Tim, and I want to move along uh, a little bit about Michigan now, I think conventional wisdom would be that the two best defenses the Irish have faced this year so far were Virginia and Georgia. How does Michigan compare with those two? Uh, Are they better? Are they about the same? Uh, Where do they stack up? I think they're right in there. I, yeah, I think it's, I don't know, it's a little difficult for me to rate them one, two, three. Georgia's probably uh, one. I mean, Virginia's numbers have been very, very good mostly. It's really good. I mean, I like their defensive front. I think they they have depth. I like Josh uh, Uche, a guy that comes off the edge. Pay has been effective. Uh, they do some things with their, they're very aggressive blitzing with their linebackers. Cam McGrone was a, a, a big-time Notre Dame recruit that went to Michigan. Um, Kalik Hudson's been very productive for them, and Lavert Hill's a good corner. So, I mean, they, they're good. Uh, they're, they're good, and they're deep up front, and they're very aggressive, so you better account for them, um, especially when they send extra guys on the, uh, uh, to rush Ian Book. No question. And one of the things I think to look at, one statistic I dug out, uh, Georgia – I think stands out as the best, and you did say that. Uh, eighth in the nation in pass efficiency defense. That's Georgia. Virginia's 25th. Michigan, 34th. And that's something that maybe the Irish can exploit. Tim, I like to dream and predict, or at least I like to ask you to predict. So I'll pretend the Irish have successfully navigated this weekend with a win, and that's what I want you to pretend. If the Irish do that and beat Michigan, do you think they run the table the rest of the games? I would expect that that will be my weekly prediction that they will win the five remaining games. I guess the caveat would be the health of Ian Book because that would change things. But 
Certainly. I mean, they're certainly going to be favored in, in, in the remaining five games. I guess you could say six. looks like they're going to uh, play the Michigan as a slight favorite. Three of the five are at home. Um, you know, Stanford's down. Um, Virginia Tech is 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 still battling, but Notre Dame's a better team. But yeah, I mean, I you know, Notre Dame should win the remaining five games if they're if they're six and one after this weekend. Okay, so a quick comment. You already mentioned Stanford and Virginia Tech. Uh, what at Duke? How, what's the challenge in that game? Well, that 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 can be a little tricky. Uh, David Cutcliffe, great deal of respect for him. I still often wonder what direction Notre Dame football would have gone had he remained healthy. But Charlie Weiss hired him as his offensive coordinator in 2005, but Cutcliffe had a heart attack and never coached for Notre Dame. He ended up being a Duke. Great respect for him. Uh, he came to Notre Dame Stadium in 2016. I know Notre Dame wasn't very good, but he beat Notre Dame. He will be prepared for Notre Dame. He will challenge them with his game plan. I think that could be a little bit tricky. Okay, and two more uh, quick hits, Tim. Navy and Boston College. What is the challenge there? Yeah, Navy's back up to speed. They're playing good defense. They have their quarterback. Uh, never assume a win over. <laughs> never assume a win over Navy. I think they're they're back to I think where they were. Uh, as far as Boston College, Steve Adazio believes in physicality. Uh, AJ Dillon is a running back. I, I, you know, I think anytime you get in November and you're playing a physical program, that's a bit of a concern. But defensively, they're just not where they were when Don Brown, uh, Michigan's current defensive coordinator, left Boston College to to join Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Okay, there you go. That's a, that's the recap of the rest of the way through. Notre Dame beats Michigan, and that's how the Irish would get to 11-1, and one and all things would remain possible. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero, key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by our friends at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba. This is the 333rd edition of Fighting Irish Preview. Shine the light into my room. Treat each house as if it was your own. Our mission statement at Bushy's Windows, Doors, and Remodeling. Hi, I'm Jim Bushy. At Bushy's, we're proud of our home improvement products that we offer, and we are even more proud of the award-winning installers who will come to your home. Right now, take advantage of our 12-month 0% interest payment plan, and estimates are always free. So call Bushy's at 456-1247, stop into our showroom, or check out Bushy'sFW.com. Bushy's Windows, Doors, and Remodeling. Your clear choice. Your clear choice is Bushy's. Your clear choice is Bushy's. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba. Over the years, ND and Michigan have played 43 times. After this week's matchup, the Irish and Wolverines currently are not scheduled to play again. Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba is a full-service accounting firm dedicated to providing personalized service and professional guidance for a wide range of personal and business needs. Just over 
Hey, I'm Kirk Herbstreet, and I watch college football like it's my job. It is your job. I know, but sometimes I like to get out of the booth and chill. Here, have a Coors Light. Thanks. So, where was I? You're on my couch. In my spot. Oh, is this your spot? It's a nice spot. Great view. Make Saturday mornings even more chill with a fridge full of Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. 2019 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Howe. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The number eight Irish visit the number 19 Michigan Wolverines in the big house this week. TV coverage on ABC starts at 7.30 p.m. South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero, brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Mastercraft, and Premier Pontoons, we share your boating passion. And now we continue our series on the great defensive players of the last 60 years. Last week, 1979 unanimous All-American Bob Golick. This week, something a little different. We honor a trio of Irish legends named after a popular Steve Martin movie at the time, had the nickname The Three Amigos. The Amigos were three great defenders who made their marks at Notre Dame in the 1980s, and in 1988 were critical components in the Irish run to the national title. Mike Stonebreaker, Wes Pritchett, and Frank Stams. Pritchett and Stams were seniors in 1988, Stonebreaker a sophomore, and off the field, they seem to have run about almost as a comedy team, but on the field, they were dominant. Pritchett was a huge linebacker at 6'6", 251, and he led the national championship Irish in 1988 with tackles at 112. Stams originally was a fullback who converted to defense, and in 1988 was the team leader in sacks uh, from the defensive end position. And Stonebreaker... Another linebacker, he had 104 tackles. Uh, of course, uh, he was still at Notre Dame after the other Amigos had graduated. And in 1990, Stonebreaker went on to lead the team in tackles himself. Tim, it would seem that these guys, who have, to this day remain close friends, had their practical joking three Amigo reputation somewhat enabled by defensive coordinator Barry Alvarez and his easygoing coaching style. And apparently, one day at practice, you became an accomplice to one of Wes Pritchett's jokes. Well, they were a piece of work. There's no doubt about that. They were one of a kind. They were loose. They knew they were good. They believed in themselves. And uh, and, and you're right. Barry Alvarez allowed their personalities to come out. Well, um, yeah. Now, my, my cardiologist listens to our work, so I'm going to have to put a disclaimer on here. But that was back in the day, one, when we were allowed to attend practice on a regular basis, and two, when I stood at practice and smoked cigars throughout the entire practice. Well, Wes Pritchett saw me on the sideline. He was he was in practice. I mean, they, they were working, and he comes over and grabs my lit cigar and goes back onto the field and puts it into his mouth, and through his face mask, the, the, the smoke is billowing out. And the look on Barry Alvarez's face, I'll, ne- I'll never forget it. It's like there's that split second, like, what in the world am I looking at? And it was Wes Pritchett smoking one of my cigars, so he quickly ran over, handed it back to me, and uh, it, it was—it's still something that we laugh about today. It's a good thing that it was Barry Alvarez and not Lou Holtz. I have a feeling <laughs> that was uh, standing next to that huddle. That's a—that's a, a wonderful story. That 1988 defense allowed just 12.3 points per game. Uh, all three of the amigos earned All American recognition during their careers. 
uh, Stams and Stonebreaker were both consensus All-Americans, and Stonebreaker was a consensus All-American twice. Pritchett, Stams, and Stonebreaker, the three amigos, and a Marina at Lake Gage all-time Irish heroes. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats. And it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage Key to an Irish victory. Tim, Michigan is 5-2, and two, ranked 18th in this week's AP poll. Last week against number 6 Penn State, the Wolverines were resilient in a 28-21 loss at Penn State, a game in which Michigan had trailed 21 to nothing in the second quarter and then fell just short of tying it up in the closing minute. Back in Week 3, Wisconsin dominated the Wolverines en route to a 35-14 win. The Wolverines did earn a solid win in Week 5 with a 10-3 victory at number 14 Iowa. The Shea Patterson-led offense has been fumble-prone, but overall they seem to have achieved some run-pass balance, and an RPO game is being developed under first-year coordinator Josh Gaddis. After a rough September, Patterson seems to have found his footing and is playing well. However, the Wolverines are ranked 80th nationally in total offense and 113th in the red zone. Their receiving core, led by Ronnie Bell with 24 catches, good for 432 yards, is big, deep, and solid. And different from what USC does, Michigan will go to their tight ends much more often. Running the ball primarily will be 6'1", 220-pound true freshman Zach Charbonnet, who has averaged 4.9 yards a carry with seven touchdowns. On the other side of the ball, this is not quite the sack attack defense of last season, but veteran defensive coordinator Don Brown has put together another good group. Expect press coverages and blitzes. Defensive end Josh Ukche is a versatile player who has seven and a half tackles for loss and five and a half sacks. At linebacker Kalik Hudson leads the team in tackles. The secondary will play a lot of man coverage, and there looks to be some vulnerabilities maybe there, particularly by throwing to receivers out of the slot or backfield. Overall, through seven games, Michigan is surrendering a 60.9% completion rate. But defensively, the Wolverines are giving up just 19 points per game. That is 21st best in the nation. Tim, Jim Harbaugh is 28-4 and at home, and the Irish have lost four straight in Ann Arbor. What is the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory? There are so many things we can point to. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the, the turnover margin, which was a huge advantage for Notre Dame over USC. That ended up being 0-0. Notre Dame's edge there is significant against Michigan. I think you also have to consider, you know, Ian Book is going to have to do a good job of setting the protections because, as you mentioned, Don Brown is going to bring a multitude of blitzes from its, uh, from the linebacker core. But I really think it, it – and I think Michigan's numbers are a little bit skewed when you consider Middle Tennessee, Rutgers, Illinois. Uh, you know, I mean, they've, they've, they've faced some – and Notre Dame's beefed up their, their uh, numbers with some, some patsies as well. But I really think it comes down to red zone offense and defense. Notre Dame is superior to Michigan on both sides of the ball. I think the, I think the game is decided in the red zone. Okay, capitalize in the red zone. That is Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory. And Tim Priester, who is this week's Aspen Mortgage key player for the Irish? I really think the Notre Dame's defensive ends are going to have a big day. Again, I think we called the Quara a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think it was before Virginia. And, and that turned out. I, I think that's huge. But I, I, Troy Pride is a guy that is going to have to up his game. He's not making a lot of plays on the football. No interceptions. Three passes broken up. And has just had difficulty with the 
the back shoulder throws. I, Troy Pride needs to have a very good game uh, against a real quality receiving core. Okay, Troy Pride, calling Troy Pride, and he is your Aspen Mortgage key Irish player this week. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. It's now time for the injury report brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy now with 19 Indiana locations. Tim, your injury reports have been stellar the last few weeks because you have been, well, you've been talking about guys coming back and not about losing players. So how do the Irish stand health-wise coming out of the bye week? Yeah, I'm not aware of anything that's occurred uh, since the USC game. Um so that means they are really, really healthy. If, if Sean Crawford can be fully in the mix, which is a little bit up in the air, he should play at least a little bit. But Jafar Armstrong, and you know, early in the year we were talking about not having Cole Komet. Um, this is a very, very healthy football team with the bye week and no uh, classes this week. Their name should be as fresh and as healthy as they've been all year. Okay, well, that's another stellar report, Tim. Thanks, and that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrator Prediction, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Tim Priester, I want to preface this segment with the fact that your Irish Illustrated colleague, Tim O'Malley, unearthed this week, and that is that since the Notre Dame series resumed in 1978, the favored team going into this game has lost 21 times and won only 10 times. I find that to be remarkable. Now, for this week, we have one of the craziest lines I can ever remember. Michigan, six-and-a-half-point favorites last summer, opened as four-and-a-half-point favorites this week, and now late in the week, the Irish are favored by a point. And by game time, who knows? And by the way, there's an 80% chance of rain Saturday in Ann Arbor. So help us make sense of it all, Tim. What does America's foremost authority say? Well, Notre Dame's a better football team. I, I mean, they have more chemistry, the, the cohesion of this team, the, the, the positive feelings that are going on with the program. But Michigan's back is against the wall, and that can be one of the most dangerous factors that, that you can face. But I mean, we can go up and down statistically. Certain, certainly, you know, Brian Kelly has struggled on the road against ranked opponents. Uh, and Michigan's been very good at home, twenty-eight and four under uh, under Jim Harbaugh. And I, on paper, I guess you could say the Notre Dame looks like they should win maybe by ten or fourteen points. I don't buy that. I think it's much closer than that. I think it goes down to the wire. I've got Notre Dame twenty-six to twenty over Michigan in overtime with one of those red zone scores deciding the game. Wow. Well, that's pretty specific. Notre Dame twenty-six, Michigan twenty in overtime. Uh, yeah, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a, a breath holder for a lot of people, and that is Tim Priester's world famous Irish Illustrated prediction. Okay, here's mine, Tim. First, forget that point spread on a neutral field. I agree with you. Notre Dame is better, but the big house will be anything but neutral, and I figure that field's probably worth about three points. However, I expect the Irish to deal with the atmosphere I expect in Ann Arbor pretty well in light of the problems with the noise at Georgia. But I expect a close game into the fourth quarter. But ultimately, I think having two weeks to prepare by the Irish is going to pay dividends. I'll take the Irish. Almost the same score as yours, but not in overtime. Notre Dame 27, Michigan 20. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish. And thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovlin, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. 
Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.